The values, Christine, are so simple. Take care of your customer, your senior. Mm -hmm. Support the doctor. Use it. Now, we do use a lot of data and a lot of technology. We can get into that. But then the last one is just have a serving heart. Like, you got to care about your customer. And that's it. And then you say, well, how many of the big guys actually think that way? I would argue not a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've been trying to do. And so anyways, that, that's, 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 where my, that's where my heart is, is to serve. And now from San Francisco and the UCSF Rosenman Institute, the Health Technology Podcast with your host, Christine Winotto. Most of us help our mothers, especially as they age. But for my guest today, John Kale is a little bit more literal. John is the founder and CEO of Alignment Healthcare, a platform delivering customized healthcare to seniors and other vulnerable populations. John has an amazing resume, including Care More Medical, the Trizeta Group, Pacific Care Health System, and FHP International. But his real passion is what he's doing now, giving seniors the specialized healthcare that they need. He's a servant leader to the core and serves on a lot of nonprofit boards as well. He has a fantastic story, and as always on this podcast, a lot of lessons to pass on to entrepreneurs. Here's our conversation. Well, thank you, John, for joining me this afternoon. I am so excited to have you, and uh, congratulations on your recent IPO. You, uh, I thought that's really exciting, especially in this tough market, <laughs> to see somebody's having the IPO. Um, I thought it would be good for our listener to hear a little bit about your background, uh, your journey uh, that takes you to your founding of the Lyman Healthcare. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Christine. Yeah, no, it was it was uh, a a Sunday morning. Uh, I want you to think about Sunday morning, seven a.m. About six years ago, seven years ago, I think it was seven years ago, and I get a call from my mom, who at the time was eighty three, eighty two, eighty three years old, and she's speaking to me in Mandarin. She's actually yelling at me in Mandarin, and telling me to get over there as soon as I could. And I go, uh oh, this is not right. And I go, what's wrong? What's wrong? She goes, I, I think I have a heart attack. And so I, I that's why when you said what you said about, about your husband, it just really resonated with me. And so I go over there. And when I'm there, the paramedics are there. The ambulance is there. The park ranger is there. I mean, everybody's there. And they had to break through the window to get to her and take her to the uh, cath lab in, in uh, one of the best hospitals in Orange County, Saddleback Memorial. And... She was. Uh, she had three stents put in. She was in ICU for three days, and then she she was in the telemetry unit for another three days inside the hospital, where the care that she got was really good. Um, but but when she was discharged, it it was it was as if she was just released into the ether, and nobody knew what to do. People inside the walls of the hospital didn't really communicate with her primary care or specialists outside the hospital, the pharmaceutical, the drug, you know, the, the prescriptions were all different. I had to intervene and, and I've been doing this for a while. You know, I could talk about my background, but 
but at that point in time, I just go, there's got to be a better way to provide advocacy and care for my mom. There's nobody we can actually turn to that that has a holistic view toward taking care of her now outside the hospital. Um, and and really, that was the inspiration for we setting up Alignment Healthcare, is to be that advocate for seniors, particularly those seniors that that need the extra care, that are vulnerable, that have polychronic conditions, that are frail. Um, and and we you know we like to say the healthcare system here is actually pretty good. We also like to say that the sick care system is not so good. It's not coordinated. And 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 that that she my mom is uh, my my toughest critic. She's she's a member of Alignment Healthcare now. Um, I'm happy to say we're serving almost a hundred thousand uh, Medicare Advantage beneficiaries uh, in six states. Uh, and 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 the the motivation is to treat every single one of them like my mom, and and that's not to say, you know, my mom doesn't yell at me on everything. I mean, she complains. I mean, she, right? I mean, you know, you're so so. But she makes us better, and 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 um, and we uh, we have now uh, a nurse that sees her every week at home. She can go see her primary care. She can go see whatever specialist she wants. She can do, she can, she's got the best coverage in the marketplace from an insurance perspective. She gets, um, she gets groceries because she has a grocery benefit. She has over the counter benefits. Um, her house looks like a drugstore. I mean, she just, there's a lot of benefits that she has. But the most important thing is somebody's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Somebody's paying attention to her at the, her house and it's all free it's just all free um so i think back to your point the the main thing is i'm so passionate about doing this because i feel called to do it i feel um uh it's it's all of my training all of my experiences all of my lessons learned as you say uh, have led me to this point to 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 form this business to actually serve people, actually take care of people, serve people. Nobody likes their insurance company, right? Nobody nobody really cares or likes their insurance company. But so, what if we get an insurance company that's taking care of the the money part of it, but also takes care of people at their home, and 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 cares just through good service. It's, it's so simple. The, the values, Christine, are so simple. Take care of your customer, your senior. Mm-hmm. Support the doctor. Use it. Now, we do use a lot of data and a lot of technology. We can get into that. But then the last one is just have a serving heart. Like, you got to care about your customer. And that's it. And then you say, well, how many of the big guys actually think that way? I would argue not a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've been trying to do. And... So anyways, that, that's, that's, that's where my, that's where my heart is, is to serve. Yeah. Now I'm just interesting because you're saying about how you feel that once your mom left the hospital, the advocacy for the patient, that the support that you get, I mean, considering you, you know, your family, your family background, I feel like you can afford a lot of, you have the capacity to provide a lot of support yet you don't get 
let alone other people who are in different backgrounds. Yeah, we had the best health plan. We had the best uh, medical group taking, you know, global cap. We had the best hospital. We had the best cardiologist. And yet the system was just not aligned. It, it just wasn't coordinated to the, you know, I had to go to the PCP, beg them to authorize home health care, beg them for cardiac rehab. You know, and they did it, you know. But to your point, I'm in this business. I've been doing this for a long time. And I was like scared. It's not even, it's not even the confusion. You're just scared. Like, what, what do we do? And so, so being able to provide that peace of mind and, and to coordinate all the different pieces of the insurance, the, the specialists, the, the hospitalists, discharge, all of it is, 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 has given her a lot of uh, peace of mind. And, and the goal is I think that every single senior in this country deserves that level of care. They just mm-hmm. deserve it. And I don't think they get and, and And that's to say we have the best hospitals, we have the best doctors, the best research or the best technology, and yet the incentives and the the the, the, the payment models and the, the data interaction interoperability is it's just is not quite where we need it to be. And so we're we're gonna think big and big and change the world there. That's right. And so maybe you can tell us a little bit more detail in terms of the alignment healthcare. Like when you first started, like with all the experience that you have with your mom. And it's like, okay, this is what I think is missing and then how Alignment Healthcare can address that. And you mentioned a little earlier about the grocery benefit. Is it part of the whole system yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the whole idea is predicated on this, this kind of 2080 rule, that 20% of your members of the population actually account for 80% of the spend in healthcare, Okay. And Deloitte, I think, has had a, a, a published a report that kind of supports that thesis. It's a couple of years old, I think. Um, and so the idea is to use a lot of data to identify who that 10 or 20% of the polychronic are. So if you know who they are, you can do something about it and intervene earlier. And so we, we ingest a lot of data um, and, and we use our own functional algorithms and machine learning algorithms to identify who are the high-risk individuals that we think have a high probability of being hospitalized in the next 30 days. And so then, if we know who they are, we reach out and engage them. And then once we, and we have about a 63% engagement level of people we think are eligible for our, our high-risk program. And then what we do is we take our, 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 our clinical teams of doctors, nurses, case managers, social workers, um, I'm, uh, you know, APCs. We're, we're taking all our clinical teams to care for these people at the home to ensure that they don't have secondary complications. And, you know, my mom has three or four chronic diseases and you know, you know, early stage diabetes, you know, early stage CHF because of her heart um, and, and, you know, some neuropathy starting. And so I, we have, so the whole idea is we send nurses to the house to just make sure they are stable, they are improving, they are healthy, they get the transportation they need, et cetera. If we do that and we stay on top of the little things, 
it prevents uh, admissions into the acute setting. And what that does then is you have a, a, a happier and healthier member because we're caring for that population with very dedicated and focused resources. And then, and then what happens is you can bend the cost curve. To, to, you, you can actually lower overall costs. And then in Medicare Advantage, if you lower the cost, you have to share that savings on to, 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 to beneficiaries. You can't just put it in profits. You have, to, you have to invest that in richer benefits and richer coverages. Mm. And so that's what's been driving our growth because we have really good care. We do well by doing good, by serving this vulnerable population. And then we, we invest those savings into richer benefits so that all 100% of the population has good coverages and richer benefits. And those benefits now include not only traditional health insurance coverages, you know, doctors, uh, hospitals, you know, um, uh, home health, you know, just whatever, you know, traditional health insurance, pharmaceuticals. But now the CMS is saying to the health plans, we want you to cover other supplemental benefits that are needed for social determinants of their health and social determinants that, that relate to health equity. And, and, and so they, they're, they're, the logic is, look, if somebody can't get access to care, there's going to be a problem. If they can't eat because they're making a trade-off between uh, co-pays on their insulin and, and food, they can't, you know, they're going to get sick. So you have to help them with their, with their daily living needs. So, so ergo, uh, um, grocery benefits, um, caregiver benefits, um, over-the-counter drug benefits. Uh, what else? Uh, um, you're going to laugh at this one. Pet care, pet walking benefits. Because when the, when, the, when the senior has a pet, they go to see the hospital, the doctor, or they go, go to the, the, the doctor, they want somebody to take care of the dog. I mean, <laughs> my mom's thing is just grocery shopping. You know, it's like mm-hmm. she's starting, she's having, she's 90 now. She's already a hard time driving. So just transportation benefits are also part of the package. But sometimes she wants a dedicated person to come in and uh, shout out to the guys at Papa, Andrew, this is for you, but, but it's a great service. And, and they, and they, and, 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 and they, they come to her, they pick her up, they go to her Chinese uh, grocery store, they get her, they get her, 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 you know, Chinese uh, groceries and take her home and it's an hour in the week. It's a huge benefit, you know, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's how, that's the whole model. Take care of the people that need it the most because that's where the, all the money is and, and then invest the savings in everybody else. This podcast is sponsored by Brown Rudnick's Global Life Sciences Group, a team of legal professionals that help life science companies, lenders, and investors around the world turn good science into good business. Learn more at brownrudnick.com. This podcast is also sponsored by Canon Quality Group, Canon Quality Group has been helping medtech startups set up quality management systems for over 10 years. If you're unsure when to get started with quality management in your startup, turn to the experts at canonqualitygroup.com. So you're saying that you're focusing on the 20% of the people who are, have a polychronic or the chronic condition 
And I'm just thinking about the health plan and it's all about risk. And oftentimes they have to balance it with the healthier population. And that's not how you approach. But what, what happens is the traditional legacy plans, I think um, they, they, they create products so that the sick patients don't enroll. Mm-hmm. That's not what we do. We want everyone to enroll and then take care of them. We actually take care of all 100% of our members. Mm-hmm. We just happen to think that the 80% of the people that cost 20% of the spend, they get pretty good care right now. They go to their PCP. We have to improve their access to subspecialists. Um, but generally, the, the, the care they get is working. We have to make that the right network of providers. That's, that works. But the focus of our internal resources is on that 20%. That's what drives down the overall cost. Um, and you do that without compromising um, member satisfaction. You've got to have happy and healthy members. You, you know, and, 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 and we work with the community PCPs uh, with this model of care. And they like it because we're seeing the really sick patients at the home. We're an extension of the PCP's practice. So, so that's basically how we built the model, built, built the company. Does that mean, you know, like when you look at Kaiser, they have their, they have their plan and they have their provider. How is it yours different? Like, do you work team up with the providers? Yeah, I, I think Kaiser's the, I personally think Kaiser's the gold standard. I, I think it works. Um, but, but there, it's kind of the same model. They provide good enough quality, but really low cost. I mean, and, and the value they create for consumers, both on the commercial side and the Medicare side, is really great, you know? I mean, is is it the best of the best, you know, from a quality? I'm not sure people would say that, but it's very good. I mean, I'm not, right? But it's very, the value created is extremely high. Um, and so to the extent we can create that virtual vertical integration with community doctors and contracted hospitals without owning all the bricks and mortar that, that you have with Kaiser. And you know, we don't need to own our own hospitals. We don't need to own our own practices. We don't have to have all the own clinics. The, the, the community providers in each marketplace, um, no, they, don't, they don't all want to get sold to you know, the big consolidators or get sold to all the hospitals. Some, a lot of them still want to remain independent. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones we work with and we make them better and support them. That's that's how we do it. Yeah, I want to segue a little bit about to talk about your background. Uh, I think you have uh, you have a lot of experience before you start alignment healthcare, but you have pretty interesting career before you land in healthcare. Actually, yeah, I, I was born in Taiwan. I was just an immigrant kid. You know, my my parents came here when I was like three years old, um, uh, and uh, you know. Built the American dream, uh, fought you know for their family, um, and you know and and you know I kind of grew up here and and uh, you know I have a finance kind of background. I I, I joined a company called FHP at, uh, in Southern California. That was back in what 1994, I think it was. Um, and it was a vertical. It was like a it was like a vertically integrated version of of, of Kaiser, but in Southern California, it's FHP. And and so what I learned there was uh, how vertical integration and and the kind of the 
the the the staff model, how a staff model works. Um, that company was actually merged with a company called Pacific Care in, in around 1996, I want to say. And Pacific was all about uh, Medicare Advantage and had 1.5 million Medicare Medicare Advantage seniors. It was all about partnering with doctors, like healthcare partners, medical groups. And then I, I went from uh, Pacific Air Horizons to a company called Trizetto, which was a systems company, a data technology a healthcare IT company that my friend and partner, who is a CIO at FHP, Jeff Margolis, founded. Um, and, and so I worked with Jeff um, and we grew Trizetto from, I think it was 40 million or something like that to 400 million. Uh, and then... I went to, and, and there I learned about systems and, 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 and supply chains and operations, you know, and, and then, and then in, in 2004, I left Trizetto and, and, and joined my former boss, Alan Hoops at, from Pacific Care, who's the CEO of Pacific Care. And we went out and we, um, uh, bought a company called Caremore. And in 2006, we closed on that. And Caremore, we learned that we can bend the cost curve. We can um, uh, provide a better level of care through focused clinical resources. And what's really interesting at Caremore is here I am, kind of a health plan you know, guy, um, thinking that we're going to do all these things inside Caremore. And, and what, what happened was just the reverse. Caremore changed us. The care delivery culture changed us. So, um, uh, you, you know, the, but we learned, we learned um, about how we could do chronic disease management at scale. And so if you, so if you can't take staff model, provider partnerships, systems and data, and then chronic disease management, you put it all together and you kind of get alignment healthcare. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's why I feel, you know, kind of, uh, kind of obligated, you know, called, obedient, whatever you want to say, to actually do this. Because to your opening regard, it's really hard. In the early years, it was really hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned that how being in care more changed you. In what way does it change you? Does it just give you a different perspective that yeah. things that you've seen should be done differently? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because... When you're from a big health plan company, you just, you look at things, um, you know, purely financially. I would say you you look at things from big data. You look at things contracting. You know, we didn't understand the care delivery, how um, doctors and nurses and case managers work and serve that senior, and so. So having the empathy and the understanding for that, I think is 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 a critical component of our culture. Mm-hmm. Is is just is, is is support the doctors, our second best. Put the senior first, but then never do support the doctor. The doc do whatever support that doctor. And and then have a serving heart. Those are things that I think embodied care more and 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 I think alignment has taken the lessons learned, the successes, and the opportunities to make things even better. Um, uh, and, and an example at alignment, and the example there is we, we lowered um, 
CHF admissions at Cameron by 50%. Really good clinical outcomes. But we did a retrospective review and, and we looked at it and we said, you know, we're still missing about 40% of the people that, that were still going to the emergency department still were diagnosed with some form of CHF, so cardiac issue. And you go, well, we're banging the cost curve 50%. How could we miss all these people? And the answer was we, we didn't have the, enough of the data early enough so that we could intervene early enough. And so, so, the, so, so the whole concept of alignment is if we can get the data and use that data to identify the people that have high risk, we can intervene earlier. And, and we can continue to even further improve the quality of care by helping people earlier and at the same time, lowering the overall trend. That's just one example of lessons learned. Mm-hmm. There's lots of yeah. lessons learned to go through with you. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I noticed uh, that you talk quite a bit is, um, you know, because you're founding the Alignment Health Gear and you have to build the team. I'm sure, you know, your, your team has grown quite uh, quite fast. Um, one of the things that you mentioned about is servant leadership. And I think that's a concept that many knows, but many don't. Uh, if you can tell us a little bit more about that, why do you think is important? Why do you think that is something that you emphasize a lot in alignment healthcare? Um, this is another story. It's, it's, I, I, I was involved in a church um, and served on their elder board and and I thought that I would take some of my business skills and and you know help the church and their you know financing you know because there's a whole you know business side to church also but would help with with them on the business side and I would I would teach them about the business and what I didn't expect which was just the opposite was they taught me about taking church into business and it's all about serving and, and, and having a serving heart and having uh, a servant leadership view that, that if you want to lead, if you want to be successful, you got to be prepared to serve the people that need the most care. And, and that's what happened to me. And I remember the first year when we started Alignment, we went to the whiteboard and people would write down their words. They were asked to write down, what, do you, what does Alignment mean to you? And people would say chronic care delivery. People would say uh, helping seniors. You know, people would say, uh, you know, use of big data, et cetera. I wrote servant leadership. This was eight, seven, eight years ago. And people were like, what, what's he talking about? Like, mm-hmm. wh- like, what does that mean? Like, I, we, they couldn't correlate it. But over the years, people's thinking now is, now I understand. This is all about just taking care of somebody as if they were your Chinese mom, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and serving them. And if you have a Chinese mom, you know, you're serving them because they're like, they're yelling at me the whole time. So, <laughs> so, so, but, but that's really the impetus of it, you know? And, and when we, when we started the company, we had, we're dealing with private equity, venture capital, you know, all this stuff. And we were a little bit sheepish about the cultural piece of serving heart, mission orientation, you know, because you're with these Wall Street guys. And now I would say, that's why people join us. 
you know, the, the, because the business model part of it, you know, you're a viable business, you're public, you know, all this stuff, but they want to be part of something bigger. They want to be part of something important. They want to be, they want to, they literally want to change the world. They want a hand in changing the world. This is what you're doing. You're like changing the world. You know what I mean? I mean that. And so, so, so the, the, the cultural dynamic, you know, the, the, the serving heart of culture plus this whole notion of the virtuous cycle that I just talked about, meaning I know who the vulnerable are, take care of them, reinvest savings in the richer benefits grow. That whole virtuous cycle by doing well, by doing good, are, I think what attracts people to our company now, which is why, you know, it's a, it's a tough labor market. We get really good people because of mm-hmm. the culture, you know? I mean, so that's, that's what it means, serving hard to yeah. me. And uh, how do you maintain the culture as the company grows? That's the number one thing that keeps me up. You're so, it's very insightful. So as we grow and as we grow geographically, um, we've invested in, in Amanda and Priya on this call, it's in communications. Everything is communications, internal communications. When we took the company public last year, all of my focus was external communications. And I didn't do enough internal communications. This year, it's all, I mean, it's still external communication with investors, but internal communications, training, development, investing in people, and, you know, investing in the people we have, making them better, and then having culture carriers, people that have been with, with us for a while, their job is dedicated to go to some of the new markets to ensure that they instill this level of, of, commitment to the senior and 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 it just starts with the board it starts with me it starts with um uh our leadership team and so it's this trickle down everybody has to uh, have the same kind of culture and then you have to make sure that the systems the communication systems the cadence of of, of training programs are all employee communications Senior VP, VP, director, AVP, all, you know, separate communications. I have weekly. I have two or three of these communications. I do these kind of uh, CEO connection lunches. Uh, you know, I, I used to do it in person pre-COVID, but but I, I, I you know I want to know what's really going on in the company, and I want to share with them how we um, how we need to behave with our customers and our providers. You know, it's, so it so starts with me in communication, um, uh, uh, um, and, 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 and the communication has to be consistent between internal, with, with the internal, with, with our stakeholders, the board, with our investors and the external community. Everything has to be consistent. And it's kind of easy when the values just transcend all of these different stakeholders because you're doing the right thing. And you're producing a return. You have to. You have to. I always say, you know, and I don't know if our public uh, shareholders are like this, but you know, the the goal is to serve seniors. If we take care of seniors, the financial stuff will will follow. You know, if we do the right thing, the growth and the the profits will come. You know, the and 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 I also say, profits are not a goal; they're a requirement. Mm-hmm. It's like air. You have to have growth. You have to have profits. But the goal, the mission, is to serve. 
you know, serve, serve your mom, serve my mom, make sure they're taken care of. That's it. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Now, uh, I have, I think we are sh- running sh- uh, close to our time. And so I'd like to, I think you, you mentioned there's a couple of lessons learned there, but uh, what are your top three lessons learned that you think that you always remember now as you go through your growth of the company? I would, yeah. So, so number one is, um, I had to learn to transition from a founder to a CEO. They're two different jobs. And so to the, all the entrepreneurial founders you have out there, just, you just got to be consciously aware of that. That's, that's kind of number one. And as a founder, you're, you're the visionary, you're the chief bottle washer, you do everything, you know, you, is you will things to happen. As a CEO, you you have to hire the right team. You have to empower. You have to communicate. You have to train. You have to teach. Um, Because you can't do it all yourself. You have to to grow and build an organization that's sustainable and have the systems in place to make them successful. And and so recruiting um, is is of critical importance. So that's that's kind of the number one lesson learned I've had. Uh, and I had to, I had to be trained by our board to grow into that CEO role. So that's number one. Number two is, I would say, and this is this is a hard lesson, um, but I'll say it anyways. Um, is is the number one problem with startup companies or early stage companies is they they don't they don't change the management teams fast enough. And this, I know that's a hard thing to say, but I've learned that and, and I've talked to various different parties, you know, and, and you're loyal to your friends who you started the business with. You always take care of them, make sure they, they're taken care of. But for what's best for the company, you got to get the right people in the right roles. The same person with a title when you're zero dollars of revenue, and you got to make sure that person is going to grow with you when you're a billion dollars of revenue. It, you know, and sometimes that may not be the case. So. So that's as 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 the founders, entrepreneurs in, in this podcast that you're just listening to this. That's a, that's a hard thing to learn, but it's it's a lesson, you know. And I say number three, um, be really choosy about who your capital partners are. Be really selective um, because there will be tough times in your journey, and you want them to be there with you. And we have been very very fortunate to have. General Atlantic, Warburg Pincus. These guys have been fantastic partners um, and have stuck with me and stuck with the company. Now, they've been rewarded for it. But they would, it would have been easy sometimes in the early years for them to go a different direction. And so I, I really think choosing your part, don't just go after the first money that comes to you. Be choosy. Those are my three top lessons. No, that's great. That's a good lesson to have. And so thank you so much for your time. It's really fun. Thanks. Sorry I talked too much, but you, you got me going here. So. Oh, no, this is great. This is good. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I think what you're doing is fantastic, by the way. And let us oh. know if we can help. Really, I think it's just fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Health Technology Podcast. We want to thank our executive producer, Herminio Neto, and our podcast engineer, Andrew Rojek. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. 
the Health Technology Podcast is available on all major platforms.